This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, James Pearce, both home and away. He's very much at home, having had another eventful weekend in Dublin. However, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by the tallest member of the sports desk, Paul Ghost. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ian. Also, Christian Welsh. Hello, Hi, Christian. Ian. I'm waiting till I've asked, said hello to you. Hello, Christian. Hello, Ian. And we are all very pleased to introduce the newest member of the sports desk, it's Theo Squires. Hiya, Theo. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm good. Cheers, you. As you can tell, he's uh, he's not a local. He's from Wales, as you can tell from that accent. Where are you from, actually? Cambridgeshire. Cambridgeshire. That's where you went to university, wasn't it? Don't you start. <laughs> <laughs> we will start, then, in uh, another university city, Dublin. That, that, was that seamless? Not bad. It's not bad. Anyway, Paul, Liverpool won 5-0. I'm asking you first because you didn't see it. However, when you saw the results, saw the goal scorers, was you encouraged? I was. Uh, as you, you mentioned, I didn't see. You know, we're, we're meant to be on this part to provide insight, and you just, you just <laughs> answered me within two minutes. Ian, Ian just, the grass. I'm just yeah. trying to get him out of the way. You know, we, yeah, he had a day off. He doesn't have to watch football all the time. It's that true, I suppose. Yeah, um, it was one of those where uh, I was completely, you know, away from it all on Saturday, and I just checked Twitter on my phone. It was Liverpool five, Napoli nil. And I didn't even blink, just because uh, these types of performances that Liverpool are just routinely putting in now against these types of teams. And I know, I know it was obviously only pre-season, but it's at that stage now where Liverpool can score five or six and you don't think much about it, do you, just because of the, the sheer attack and talent that they've got. And um, it was another another positive result and another uh, you know minutes in the bank, as they say. And, and Liverpool are looking good, to be honest, they've had a crack in pre-season. Christian, you did observe the game. Uh, Napoli were certainly... For various reasons, the, the toughest opposition Liverpool have faced so far. I mean, okay, their season starts a week later than the Premier League, but they had more or less a full team out there, and they were just blown away, weren't they? Yeah, it was it was the most positive preseason result by far because you know the Manchester City game had the asterisks against it. That, of course, it was pretty much a, a scratch squad for for City. The Manchester United, it was just again you had Mourinho beforehand complaining that he was playing this youngster and that youngster. Not like him, that is it? No, no, no. I'm sure we'll move on to that in a little bit. But um, the the Napoli team were were pretty much at you know full strength. I think Therese Mertens was missing, obviously from his World Cup excursions. But in general, um, you know they're a team who are well underway in their pre-season preparations. Their season starts in just two weeks' time. They've got a new manager in Carlo Ancelotti, who is obviously. Uh, somebody that all the players will want to impress. They turned up, they tried to play football and, and they got absolutely annihilated. So, uh, it, it, yes, it wasn't a competitive game, but when you watch the way Liverpool tore through them and, and the signs from various players, including the new signings, especially Alisson and uh, Shakiri, I thought when he came on, the pair of those it really does all go well for the, for the, for the season ahead. Too early to get too, too carried away and too excited, but at the same time, What's pre-season for if it's not to, to to see a performance like that and think, hmm, I wonder what could be. Theo, what have you made of the form this season from Liverpool? Are you are you excited going into the new season or are you trying to just temper expectations a little bit? I think there's a bit of excitement there because when you look at the uh, team that got to the Champions League final, it was all about that starting eleven. There wasn't that depth, but they've brought those players in now when you're looking at the likes of Shaqiri. They're really adding something to the squad and there's a real excitement and anticipation about who's going to start the games who's going to put in the performances and who's going to be holding those jerseys against West Ham on Sunday. I mean, who's impressed you the most from what you've seen? Probably Sturridge. 
Like we all thought mm. he was done and we had written him off, and he's come back, and this is probably the sharpest he's looked since Liverpool finished second. I Me, mean, Christian, would you agree with that story? You know, we've spoken about him a few times, but he got another goal, didn't he? And he, and he always he seems to be happier himself as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he, 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 the finish as well was was very much the storage of old in in terms of you had no doubt when it came to him on the edge of the box that he that he found the back of the net and he just you know gave the keeper the eye sense in the wrong way. He'd already nearly scored twice before then. Yeah, as well, hadn't he? And, and and even for the fifth, it was a lovely raking longfield mm-hmm. ball to Moreno, and obviously Moreno. You know, took centre stage with a, a crack and left footed drive, but he's he's definitely up there for me in terms of in terms. Of, I mean, you can talk about Curtis Jones and Rafa Camacho, but if we're being honest, they're going to get you know few minutes. They might get the League Cup, but they're not really going to be first teamers in the in the Premier League. But Daniel Sturridge is something that Liverpool lacked last season. Ironically, you know, he was at the club, but they were lacking the Daniel Sturridge that seemingly is is is, is at Klopp's you know disposal now and. I just feel like I've said this before. He feels if he can stay fit and you know, big if of course, but if he can stay fit and he can stay sharp, he is that wild card off the bench. He is that title winning substitute, the type of sub that title winning teams can make. And you know, I think Manchester United still have one in Marshall for now. Um, you know, Manchester City certainly do with Mares or, or Sterling. But you know, you could say Tottenham with Son if he doesn't play, but with Sturridge, you know, out of nowhere seemingly, we all thought he was gone. You know, I think I think Klopp and Sturridge themselves thought he was gone. He's back and and, and he's ready to to wreck havoc off the bench, and it, it's it's a brilliant option to have. I think he's been the, the undoubted winner of pre-season, hasn't he, for Liverpool? You know, uh, uh, like Christian said there, he, he said he was repeating himself because he's just spent you know the last few weeks just seemingly talking about Sturridge, and I'm going to repeat myself again because something Klopp said the other day. That Liverpool don't need Sturridge to play 50 games and you know perform 90 minutes week in week out. They just need him there for those big moments, decisive moments in certain games. And I think if he does stay fit, he'll be there to do that because he's certainly the the, the best striker Liverpool have got. You know, other than Firmino, he's he's far far a better player than Origi. Obviously, Rian Brewster, it's going to be a big season for him. But uh, having Sturridge on the bench, fit and firing, is uh, such a Mouthwater an option for Liverpool. Theo, do you get the impression that perhaps Daniel Sturridge has now come to terms with the fact he's probably never going to be a regular starter for Liverpool, but he'd rather be somebody who plays, starts maybe one in three, comes off the bench in the other two? I think he's appreciating where he is more now after going to West Brom and uh, suffering that relegation last year. But then I suppose you've got to remember, looking at pre-season, all the players are getting minutes. He's coming on at half-time, he's coming on at the hour mark. Klopp wants to give these players minutes. When we're going into the big games in the season... Is that really going to happen? You're going to get to 75 minutes, 80 minutes when he's wants to keep in faith with the front three. And then it's up to Daniel Sturridge to go out and perform to make sure he can get that shirt if it's 20 minutes or maybe an odd start here and there. I mean, going to the other end of the pitch, I mean, I got a text message from somebody during the game who was a little bit perturbed by the performance of, of, of Alisson. I'm not sure whether he tallied with what Jurgen Klopp and some of the others were saying afterwards. But, Paul, it was his first game. What did you make of it? Even though you didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I won't come to you. I'll come to Christian. What did you make of it? You're coming to me because I was the one who sent the text message. I wasn't going to say you. It was the same thing, but... I'm not going to repeat what the text you, you're message said. You're a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Apprehensive, I think, over, over his performance to, to that point. He, after, and it was shortly after he'd made that save where he, you know, even the commentary team was saying he kind of got away with it. He, he could have just held on to a shot from... Was it Insignia, I think? I think it was Insignia, yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, he kind of... Pushed it, shoveled it around the post, didn't he? He looked he looked slightly shaky in the first half, but I think that is to be, you know, I think that's to be considered. 
in the fact that it's new surround and a new team. I think also the, the shakiness, the, the, there was that save where, you know, you would hope that he'd be catching those nine times out of 10, 99 times out of 100. Um, but there were a couple of times where he's sort of come off his line, he's he's done the big starfish, you know, Peter Schmeichel style, or he sort of waved his arms around to try and, you know, make make the, the, the striker miss. But the, the, he, I think he was waiting for the offside flag if we're going to be kind to him as well. So I think that maybe because all of those op- opportunities were eventually flagged offside. So if we're, if we're being really critical of him, you know, he did look slightly shaky in that first half. But, you know, I, I do think I was probably a little bit harsh um, with what a texture. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, yeah, you know, it, it's first four five minutes. And, and what he did do well, he did very, very well. Um, you know, he did command his box. Um, he didn't. He didn't let in a goal. You know, as much as Amelia might have made of that first opportunity from Insigne, he did keep it out. Um, he, he pretty much caused everything, which was, which was good to see. And which we'll move on to, I'm sure, is distribution. You know, he ultimately had a, a big role to play in two of the goals. Um, and again, you know, some of the some of the passes didn't necessarily. Reached and sent the targets. I think there was one in the first half where he just sort of tried to ping it to Andy Robertson, and I don't think he realised Andy Robertson's not six foot five. Um, and I think a couple of times his teammates didn't help him out because I think they were in that mode of oh he's good with us with the ball at his feet. Let's just give it to him when he's on his goal line. Well, it was you know, a good good way of finding out whether he was any good yeah, or not in a game friendly. And, and, you know, he did they'll be do doing well. it again. They'll doing it again on Tuesday. Yeah, and he did do well. He did do well. Um, but I think, you know, Jürgen said after the game, didn't he, you know, we've got to help him out more and basically not give him hospital passes 10 yards from his own well, box. He, he said he's quite a good footballer, didn't he? Yeah. Meaning outfield player yeah, rather yeah. than goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, maybe we've not really found out how good he is yet and we're not going to for a while. No, but I mean, ultimately, the, the balls are so half of the first is is an absolute peach of a ball. Uh, you know, inch perfect. It's exactly the sort of ball which if, you know, Steve Gerrard had played in this pump, you'd be, you'd be eulogising the boats mm-hmm. and then, you know, I think even in the thirds, he, he he took the ball under pressure. He, he clipped a nice ball into the middle, and you know, a back heel flick in Liverpool were, were away. So, it's um, you know, it does it, 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 it the signs are good. You know, I, I'm more likely to look at the good signs at the minute than the bad. And it was his debut, so he's allowed the odd little wobble. Theo James Pierce in his analysis mentioned the fact that on his first sighting of actually Allison playing a Liverpool kit because he obviously paid more attention to him than he did when he was at Roma. But he said he's like he's a mountain of a man, and I think the fact that he's got this kind of physical presence is that something that Liverpool have lacked through the last couple of goalkeepers because for all their faults and all their their positives, both Simon Mignolet and Loris Carius, they never ever come across as the most physically imposing of specimens, do they? No, and they both um, appear quite sheepish on the pitch. Like, like when they make a mistake, it would get to them. And you think you need that keeper to have confidence. Like Allison's now come in. When he last time he played at Anfield, he conceded five against Roma. Yet here we've got all that confidence about him, and you can just see from the defenders wanting to play the ball back to him that there is that confidence and that faith in the keeper, and it makes such a difference. We've already seen the difference Virgil Van Dijk's made to that back four when you've got the keeper doing it now as well. Then all these defensive woes that were spoken about in seasons, uh, recent seasons could be gone. It's about presence. Wikipedia just told me he's the same height as Mignolet. Well, I was going to say, is <laughs> it about mental presence you've just mentioned then that he's he's got on it? He has that kind of psychological effect on the other players around him. He appears to be bigger than he actually is because of the way that he, you know, he goes about business. Yeah, and I suppose being Brazilian helps as well. Like they love getting on the ball, don't they? They've got that character, that uh, stereotype, what you expect from those sorts of players. 
And we've always seen in the Premier League before, when you look at the best teams that have won the Premier League, they've always got these big keepers that are making such a contribution. You can think of Courtois, is what, six foot six? Schmeichel's the obvious one that comes to mind. And they make a big difference. They win these uh, games, they win these league titles. I mean, you might be talking about your attacking players, but the goalkeepers are the ones that make the difference. I, I think it's interesting, though, because we've just discussed Allison's debut there, you know, at length in a 5 0 win. And we're discussing it, you know, we're picking it out quite minute. And it's just going to be like a almost like what's to come for Alisson because you know when he makes that first mistake or you know the first slight mishap then it's just going to be so intense because this is the world's most expensive goalkeeper you know was he second in terms of most expensive Liverpool players of all time so when it, when it actually when the real stuff does actually start he's just going to be under so much pre- external pressure and it's, it's up to him as to whether he can handle it but I do think he, he does have a presence, like Theo's just discussed there, and he, he is very assured and very calm. And I think that's very different from what Liverpool have had for the last couple of years. Uh, as you mentioned, Dougie Mignolet and Carriers, for all their positives and negatives, they haven't always come across like the most imposing figures. And he, he does kind of look like he, he's built for, to be a goalkeeper. And, and you know, that, that it's a good base to start, I suppose. I think and what you've had... the other two have a beard either. That always helps, doesn't it? Beards win, beards win leagues. Ultimately, grizzled goalkeepers. Grizzled yeah. goalkeepers. Dark hair too. F- <laughs> now, now, don't don't talk about hair. That's a sore point for me and Christine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but funny, we're talking about Theo was talking about stereotypical Brazilians. <laughs> Brazilian goalkeepers are normally rubbish, and yet, yet the two most expensive goalkeepers in history now are Brazilian. I think it's a bit different. I don't think they're stereotypically rubbish. Are that, they? That's, that's no, going but, back but forty years, though, isn't it? Well, that's that's my time, yeah, my the, period. The, 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 yeah. the, the rubbish now. Yeah, well, As not, in, you know, because they're sixty and seventy years of age. Yeah, yeah, don't try and be funny. But years There's a time ago, and place for being ago, funny. It's you, not on this podcast. You wouldn't get, <laughs> you wouldn't get put yeah, on don't the Don't we know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul, interrupting you there. In like the, the you know the seventies or whatever, they would, I doubt they were put under anywhere near as much pressure as they, they are now. Yeah, because the, Taffarel Taff- Taff- was good. Taffarel, yeah, he was good for, for Brazil. Dida wasn't great. Who knew Cesar was? Who knew Cesar was? Played for QPR. Yeah, but that was when everyone was taking the money. QPR. Yeah, right. yeah, I know what you mean. Though it it, it it is interesting, but I mean, you look at both him and Edison now, as as, as he said, two of the most expensive. Well, two of the two number one, know, number two, one, yeah. and number one, number two. So, I think also what it what it I think Brazil have changed a little bit over the last ten years as well. They are a little bit more defensive in terms of they, they do want the keepers to be quite good now. So. Uh, and he's plus, also plus, got a bit of European blood in him, hasn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Bruce Grobel, I was talking about him today, and he was saying the fact that as a youngster he came over to Europe. Mm. I mean, a lot of Brazilians do this anyway, but Brazilian goalkeepers done it, and he's been such a success. I mean, let's face it, Roma got to the Champions League mm. semi-finals last mm. year, partly on the back of their good home form, where they, until Liverpool played, they hadn't did a goal, had they? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and, and you know, three 0 against against Suarez, Messi, uh, Dembele, whoever you know. So beat Chelsea three as well. Didn't yeah, they? yeah, exactly. So he's, he's kept clean sheets. So you know, Ederson had his had his bedding period in in Portugal uh, with Benfica. I, I think this is the, you know, it's one of those things where. I think rightly so. Liverpool fans sometimes say, "Well, why aren't Liverpool buying these players from, you know, Benfica um, or, you know, where did they come International. from, International?" Instead of, but I think Liverpool now at that situation, at that stage, and, and they have the funds where you know it would be nice if they could do that. But it's also important to bring them over when they're actually, you know, ready-made for for the for the highest level of competition. So you know, if if it's going to put an extra. 30, 40 million pound premium on them to, to learn the ropes in Rome 
and become one of the best goalkeepers in the world when he arrives at Anfield, then so be it. Exactly the same as Van Dijk. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could get him from Celtic for 12.5, but he's he's learned the Premier League at, at, at Southampton. All right, it's a fair premium to pay, but look what impact he had when he came. Theo, sorry, go on. I was going to say, when you look at the last player Liverpool brought in early, it's probably Emery Chan. And then at the end of the contract, when you would be bringing him in at a 30, 40 million price bracket, he's gone in a free to you. That's a really yeah. good point. I mean, do you think the fact that, Theo, that Alisson's cost £65 million is going to make any difference to the way he's going to be scrutinised over the next few weeks? Or is just the fact that he's the Liverpool goalkeeper? It doesn't matter how much he's cost. Well, there's always going to be that pressure on the goalkeeper, no matter what the price tag is, because Liverpool have had such an issue with that position in recent years. But then you look at what Carrius done in the Champions League final, it's going to be extremely unlikely that Alisson is ever going to do anything like that. It's not really that ground to do worse <laughs> in the nicest possible way. So um, <laughs> Do your worst, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> What's he going to have to do to be thought of worse than Carrius going forward? Throw in his own net in a lead decider or something. Hopefully that's not going to happen. And £60 million, you can probably forget about that if he keeps a few clean sheets and those problems with the past have gone. Oh, well, how do you follow that? <laughs> I'm, I'm just on board to the league decider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just drop him for that one game, just in case. I think what you'll find with Allison is, and, and this stems back from a game I remember a couple of years ago when Liverpool played Chelsea, I think because Allison is so physically imposing, even though he is the same height as Mignolet, um, <laughs> that that'll be my new, uh, what is it? Yeah, the new Kevin Stewart's older than Emery Chan. Kevin Stewart is older than Emery Chan. Even though you know he is so physically imposing, I think you'll find opposition players... Will try their hardest to to put him in difficult positions yeah. and therefore go wide, go above the bar. I think what you'll find is players will almost try too hard to score against them and, and therefore will be forced to miss easier chances. I think I remember the was it the one one against Chelsea in the semi final uh, cup, the League Cup first leg, and Courtois was 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 good, but Liverpool missed a load of guilt edge chances, and it was just because I think Liverpool players knew. To beat this guy tonight, we're going to have to put it into the top corner. We're going to have to put it into the very bottom corner. But he has to he has to make some saves first, doesn't he? That's the thing. That's the reputation. That's what De Gea's got as well. So, But I, I do think his stature as well will help with that already before he starts making those saves. I think you look at him in that goal and you do think it's going to have to be one hell of a shot, especially say from long range. And we've seen a few on Twitter, you know, he can be beaten, he has conceded the goals, and he will at Liverpool, probably. Well, the, the guarantee, one guarantee he's going to have is that he'll make a mistake, because all goalkeepers do. Yeah. So it's how, how everybody the responds in the World to Cup, that. You know, yeah. in, a, in a big game, I, I, and Courtois done them. I think he could benefit from having a really quiet couple of months, similar to, to the point I made about Van Dijk when he come in. Just come in, um, you know, low-key, settled into the team, and it's a case where Liverpool might beat West Ham 2-0 and he has a bit of a quiet day and then he's just kind of building on that small steps up until a few months in when you know he hasn't made any huge errors and he's just kind of been the goalkeeper that Liverpool have, have paid all this money for. It still won't help though because I mean when you think about it, Pepe Reina, what was it, five clean sheets in his first five games at Liverpool, something like that. Uh, a year down the line, he's obviously kept the, the, that brilliant clean sheet record in 05 06, yeah. where he went uh, was 12, 12 games, games 12 13 games. And then the season after, he obviously does that thing with Andy Johnson, and he's got all the phone ins lighting up, and he's got Sky Sports, and everybody going, Ah, oh, look at this continental goalkeepers, what's he doing? What a clown. And that was after a year of, of, of a very, very good, you know, a very good debut campaign at Liverpool. So he's just going to have to be used to it, but I'm sure he will be. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Now, it's a day of the week, which means that Jose Mourinho's been moaning, Theo. Uh, he's been talking after, I think United played, was it Bayern Munich and got beat? He and got had about 1% yeah. possession or something stupid like that. And he's he's having a go at his own board for not signing any players. And he says that Liverpool are, are going around signing everybody and anything. Now, we know Liverpool have only signed four players this summer. United have signed three, so his math isn't great. But the fact that <laughs> he's on about Liverpool again, does this kind of suggest that he's a little bit worried about them for the season ahead? Um, it's his third season, isn't it? So he's going yeah. to be under pressure anyway. What are the odds of him lasting this season? Well, that's he always true, wins yeah. after three years. Um, you look at his squad, they've spent so much money. Sat in the past, I mean, Pogba, Sanchez, and they've spent it again. Fred's big money signing. Uh, the pressure's on. I think they were lucky to finish second last year. There were teams that were better than them. Liverpool were better than them. Tottenham were better than them. But it's what those teams have been going for because I think they both had those Champions League runs. Mm. So level playing field now, going into the new season, when City are going to be better as well. They could be under threat for top four. Like if Arsenal get it right in this new regime, that's a good squad on paper. Chelsea will yet to see what they're going to do. What was it, three, four days until the transfer window closes and that squad doesn't look complete. It didn't look good yesterday. But it's all up for grabs and when you've got the other teams lower down, like Wolves, we don't know what they're going to do like this year. There is that pressure on Manchester United. So is, is Mourinho doing his own mind games or is he just you know we, we can see straight through them these days and he must know that everybody can is he just trying to deflect pressure or does, he, or does he really think yeah. that Liverpool are going to be a worry for him I think he's diversionary I think he, it's, it's, it's textbook 101 Mourinho isn't it and it's, it's pretty boring now to be honest but we are used to it I think I think it is a case of he knows he's under pressure I think also he's stamping his feet a little bit I think he's sending out messages to Ed Woodward um, Iwa Wuwa um, <laughs> <laughs> as the old joke goes <laughs> Um, so I just think it's it, it's a mixture of he's he's trying to deflect the attention away, but he's also making a pointed statement to the United board that you haven't given me what what I wanted. Which ultimately, after you know Pogba, Sanchez, and and, and Fred, and you know they've, they've just signed uh, a Porto right back for it was about twenty million. Yeah. it's ludicrous. Mm. It's, this, this leads me to the question then. Sorry to interrupt you. In fact, I'm not going to go back to you on that. Uh, why? <laughs> Why are these players? Why are the players not wanting to rush to join United, whereas they used to, and now they're actually rushing to join? Let's be honest, rushing to join Liverpool. Is it because of the style of play? Yeah, I think hundred percent. You know, they signed Alexis Sanchez in January. He was like one of the Premier League's best players, and you you wouldn't really know he was there. It just just so stale. Like whenever I watch Manchester United, it's just it's dour, and it's if they win, it's because they've basically had a good five minutes spell where they've capitalised on on the. You know their superiority, and it's just, it's just not good to watch. And, and players, players see that, don't they? Um, you know, I think Klopp said to, to our very own James Pearce, didn't he? He said players are looking at what we're doing, and and they want to be a part of it because they see Liverpool scoring 120 goals or whatever it was last season, and that's why they, they want to be a part of playing for such a an affable manager. You know, charismatic, and, and they want to be a part of the whole Liverpool you know project, as they say. And I think Manchester United at the moment are just nowhere near that. OK, they, they did finish above Liverpool last season, but as they all mentioned, there was extenuating circumstances for that. And to me, it's just, it's just a stale, a really stale period for, for Mourinho and Manchester United at the moment. But the winning stuff, they've won under him, they've won the Europa League, the League Cup and the and the FA Cup, and they finished second. Well, it's all the short-term versus long-term, isn't it? Because you know he's getting the short-term hits with these signings, and a lot of the signings do feel quite short to medium-term. But but as Theo said, he only hangs around for about three years. So exactly, everything so what short-term to Manchester, to him. So what happens but he's, to not, he's not bothered about what happens to him. I know he's not. He's not, not, he's not, he's not but, but, they won the League Cup and the Europa League, didn't he, in, in his first season? 
Um, Southampton were unlucky in that League Cup final and the Europa League final again. It was just I think they got an early goal and, and kind of sat back. They were playing Ajax. And that Ajax team, you know, there was a couple of really promising young stars in that team, but they were nowhere near United's level. Um, and fair play to him, he did win those trophies in, in his first season, and I think he tried to claim the Community Shield was one as well. They, did yeah, he? they didn't win the FA Cup, did they? No, they did Chelsea, Chelsea didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah, but it was Van Hal that they won the, it, the FA it's Cup. Just, it's just a, a stale period to me. And to be honest, when he when he's moaning, we're obviously always going to cover it if he's talking about Liverpool. But it's just white noise to me. I just black black block it all out, and I have done for a while. It's that a shame, really, because uh, I was a big fan of his when he first. Oh, he's, he's first jumped the shark. He's, 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 he's jumped the shark. Fifteen years ago, now though, when he <laughs> yeah. joined Chelsea. Yeah, he's, he's just he, he was a, he was a breath of fresh air. In the same way that Rafa was as well when he came, and uh, I think Mourinho, he's just played the same shtick for too long. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you know, no love lost between you know us and Manchester United yeah. in this room. You know, we are what we are. But ultimately, it's always good to see. You know, United. Not good to see United doing well, but you know, uh, we're so used to United doing well. I suppose, apart from Doyley, who was probably alive when they went down. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking, no, I was not. Anyway, no, I was not alive then. Just no. about. Um, but you know, we're so used to United doing well, and and it seemed like a a match made in heaven that the charismatic Mourinho and and and, and the swagger of United and. And just look at it. It just Mourinho looks old and, and tired. United look old and tired. You know, the, the biggest worry I'd have is is them ending up with a Pochettino or a Simeone, mm. somebody who could at least reinvigorate the club. Because at the minute, it feels like both of them are feeding off each other. And how much with Mourinho as well as football's changing? So I think the yeah. first time they won the league with Chelsea, they had so many clean sheets, they didn't lose many games at all. And that was respected at the time. And now it's more about attacking football, possession football, and you're comparing, comparing them with someone like Klopp who is completely different with how he deals with the press, and it's such a more likeable personality. So what must have been forward-thinking 15 years ago now just looks stale, as we've already said. Yeah, yeah. it must have been like in vogue 15 years ago to like completely bomb out Luke Shaw and call him overweight and garbage. And but but it's, players well, it's, are looking it, it, at that surely and going, I'm not, I'm not playing for him. Just the, you know, I don't want to play for that. I think it's more the style of play, isn't it? More than anything else. Yeah. There was nothing like Liverpool and City back then. You know, Chelsea were, as Theo said, the benchmark. That was the way things were done. Even Liverpool, to a degree, played like mm. that, didn't they, under Benitez? Those changes. Moving on then to the transfer deadline, which is on Thursday at five o'clock, yep. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's for buying players. Uh, Liverpool can still sell players to European clubs or send players out on loan to Championship or League One, League Two sides until August 31st, yep. I believe. That's right. Paul. Jurgen Klopp has already kind of insinuated that there's not going to be any incomings, but he said there's going to be outgoings. Would you be surprised if there were any more players signed, presuming nobody gets injured between now and Thursday? I would, yeah. Um, he's kind of dangled the carrot a couple of times now, hasn't he? Saying it might not be done yet, but we've kind of heard for a while now that Liverpool are more than happy with what they've done, and, and that'll be that. And, and why shouldn't they be? They've spent £170 million and you know really aggressively tried to upgrade you know the areas that they felt were lacking, and they've done that. You know, Allison is a big upgrade on Carrius. The midfield's bolstered, and Jared Antikiri is, is that option. For, you know, in the wide areas, so Liverpool can be more than happy with the business, and I, I don't really see them adding to it before uh, before Thursday. Having said that, Christian, if there is a player who becomes available, or they think that they can get done for a price that they think they may not be able to get in the future, would they go for it? Yeah. Are you naming names? No, I'm not naming any names. I, I think they would. I'm not saying the F word, by the way. I think they would, <laughs> but I also think that it would have to be 110% the right deal. I mm. don't think Klopp would 
go in on anything like that on a on a whim or on a possibility. Or... It would be a deal that they'd already been looking at already. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It wouldn't be a case of his random player from Shakhtar Donetsk, the Afansium, and he go, oh yeah, go on then. Why not? Let's stockpile them. I think it would have to be someone that they've scouted extensively, that they've maybe had a conversation about already in the in the summer or, or previous windows, who somehow become available at the right price. It works for the team, it works for the player. Go and get them. Theo, I'm going to mention the F word, Nabil Fekir. We've obviously spoken about him for two months here now since the deal fell through. I mean, what's been your take looking at it from a little bit afar? Well, in the past, Klopp's always taken his time to sign the right players, and if they've decided the deal's not right, you've got to trust them. They've gone back in for players in the past, like Alisson. We've been told all summer that wasn't going to happen, and then it's come up at the right time. Van Dijk's another one. They've gone back in six months down the line. We could be talking about him again in January if uh, they decide that the deal can be done then. But now I think the fans have just got to let it go. And you've got to remember <laughs> that's never going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen, no. But if you look at how Liverpool did after letting Coutinho go last year, I think the front three really came into their own. We saw more from Mane and Salah and Firmino really complemented each other well. Liverpool can win without that one talismanic player. Looking at it from the, the other side, getting rid of players or players leaving, we did the whole selling auction last week in which we tried to get rid of everybody failed um, <laughs> since then no one's left even Chiravella uh, hung on but there are going to be some players who leave Danny Ings seems to be the most likely he didn't go to, to Dublin to work on his fitness but also probably to work towards a deal out I think Newcastle today have said it's not going to be them Crystal Palace are by all accounts the favourites but £20 million pounds? I know we've, we've, we've done the whole price thing but if he goes, can they allow Origi to go as well? I think they can, and only because of the glimpse that we we saw in Dublin of Shakiri as a number nine. I think that yeah, that was interesting that it, he played there, wasn't yeah, it? Because I think that was probably the reason why he did. Mm, just, just you know, I think he's probably seen it in training, and he thought let's let's try it in a match situation, and he was brilliant. Because what it means is if Shakiri is the you know false nine to, to bring back an old team, but. You know, if Shakiri plays in that false nine role, he can drop off, and then you've got Mane and Salah who can run into the space, um, and he can pick them out yeah. with, with some with some great passes, which he did. Well, you know, we did it for storage actually, but Anarigi. But you know, you know, before I saw that, and you know, you can't judge it on those five minutes. But before I saw that, I would have said, you know what, you know, you've got Firmino, and then you've got Brewster, who's not probably not going to be back until Christmas or afterwards, mm. and you've got storage. Is that enough? But I think Klopp is. Backing the possibility of Mane, Salah, or Shakiri now playing up front. It was interesting to hear Klopp say, uh, "Okay, yeah, I admit that we're looking to sell some players, but we're not just going to give them away. Um, if we don't get the, the right offer, then we're, we're going to keep hold of them, and maybe that that could be the case for for someone like Origi. Um, you know, we're led to believe that Liverpool are willing to listen to offers for him, but." If that, that right offer doesn't come in, then why should they sell them? Uh, They've got more than enough resources to uh, keep well, all of them. Well, I can spin the question round then. Say none of them get sold. Say Ings and Origi, Markovic, Mignolet, all of them, the prices aren't met and they're still at the club come August the... Mm. What's it, what day was it? 31st. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, August 31st. What did Liverpool do then? Uh, putting loads of money on them to win the Premier League 2 title. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure they can all play. Well, but, but I mean, you know, I think Sacco's a good example of, of Liverpool completely being steadfast in their belief yeah. that if, if there's no deal there, there's no deal. This is a player who was ultimately bombed out, he was misbehaving, you know, difference of opinion, whatever, you know, you want to say what happened between uh, the club and, and Mamadou Sacco. 
they didn't just go right. We've had enough here. Okay, you can have them for ten million Crystal Palace. It seems didn't give give Liverpool the 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 money that they desired. So we stayed with the uh, with the reserves for, for half a season. Turned on to Brenton Park every week. Yeah, didn't exactly. It was pretty much him and a lorry were, 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 <laughs> were a mainstay. So you know, it's where's a lorry these days? He's still at Villa. Uh, Redding. 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 He played against um, Derby. Derby, did he? Yeah, Harry Wilson's yeah. Derby. So you know, I think that 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 one deal in itself is a way to show that you know Liverpool in the same way that they won't they will only buy players that they want to buy on their terms they will only sell them on their terms if those players are all still there then what what can you do other than other than keep them around you know utilize them maybe in the cups but I'm, I'm fairly sure Klopp knows and the club know that they will be getting offers for players eventually that they will deem acceptable a quick word then on a player who's linked himself with Liverpool today by claiming there's concrete interest from Anfield in his signature. That's Leon Bailey. Has anybody seen him play? I have. Any good? Boss. <laughs> Next. <laughs> he's, he's, Why? Going back to what we were saying before about players wanting to come to Liverpool, is he linking himself, if it's not true, because Liverpool would never ever confirm this, is he saying that because he wants to play there? And then yeah, Liverpool I think, he, I, think he's, I think there's a little bit of maybe his contracts uh, need, needs a little bit of yeah. renewal or something like that. The fact that Liverpool's names are getting mentioned in them circles, then say that's the example, and that shows that they have improved, doesn't it? Because oh, massively, because this this guy is you know he's one of the most highly touted youngsters in in the Bundesliga. Sorry for me slightly glib answer before, but no, he is. He's a <laughs> Jamaican. I prefer to glib answer to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, you know, he's, he's a very talented player. He's somebody that the, the whole of Europe will be looking at. I'm sure he's absolutely rapid. Like he's he's he's, he's lightning quick. He is, you know, as cliche as it is, he is a club player. He's quick. He's te- you know, he's got a really good technique. He carries the ball at speed. He can transition. He's, tw- um, he's twenty. He's twenty. So he, you know, and he's obviously got that German, you know, back in which you know, club doesn't always look for, but I'm sure it helps a little bit. He's still got a fair few fingers in German pies. There was talk that um, Gareth Southgate was trying to lure him to, to yeah. England, wasn't it? Just before the World Cup, mm, because he's he's got that English. I think his, his grandmother's yeah, English, yeah. Or something like that. So, but it just it, it goes to show you, the, you know, again, the power of Klopp. You look at Fakir, you look at Allison, you look at all of these players, and you know, it's it, it's the it's Klopp's doing. One final game for Liverpool then. That's against Torino on Tuesday night. Are we expecting Paul Anfield to be packed and expecting a good atmosphere? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it'll be uh, it'll be packed out and. Um, I think we'll start to see possibly maybe the the skeleton side for what we'll play against West Ham on Sunday. I think Klopp won't be doing with mass changes. I think he'll kind of uh, put his team out there as as he's looking to play against the Hammers, and um, you know he'll uh, he'll take what he can from that that game. There was a bit of hint of that Theo, wasn't there in uh, in Dublin with the the starting lineup? A lot of people thought that might have been or maybe the team that starts against West Ham. Yeah, definitely. It was a very strong team. I think it took quite a few of us by surprise, especially uh, Roberto Firmino starting when he'd only just got back. Yeah. Um, now we've got Jordan Henderson who's just back, so maybe you might get a few minutes there just so you've got more people ready going forward. Trent Alexander-Arnold could start because Klein's had the majority of pre-season, but then Klein has needed minutes after his previous campaign. Um, it's funny to think that this friendly is what, the first home one in four years. Klopp was the opposing manager for that one. Yeah, so yeah. It's gonna 4-0, be- wasn't it? Yeah. To, to Liverpool, that yeah. is. Yeah. Lovren scored, I think, first game. <laughs> yeah, he did. That shows you why you should never read too much of the pre-season. <laughs> having, having said that, Liverpool played Italian opposition in 2000. Palma, wasn't it? Won 5-0. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah and they've just, they've, just, that, yeah. they've just beaten Napoli 5-0. And that year, they went on to win three trophies, Christian. Mm. Would you take that? 
I think everybody would take that. Those three trophies. Not those three, because that would suggest <laughs> something's gone massively wrong in the Champions League. But so you, you'd, you'd, you'd happily forgo a treble for... No, for I'm saying that I'd rather, I'd rather not win the Europa League and win the Champions League, is what I'm saying. So we're upgrading it, are we? Yeah. So well, it's going to be a treble. So it's going to be, be the Champions League. League. Yeah. No, no, because there's no Premier League. What's well, the why, league finish? Of course, yeah. What's the league finish? Because if you're not top four, then you get into Champions League by winning Europa. Yeah, but they've won the Champions League, so they get in through winning that. You get in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. They're going to win the quadruple, aren't they? Is what you're trying to say? I am. I'm not not saying that. What happened to Parma? They went. They went bankrupt, didn't they? They did. They're on the way back, though, aren't they? Didn't they just get promoted? Yeah, exactly. Just got promoted. Yeah, see. You so, see, it's all it's right in itself. This yeah. it's right in itself. <laughs> but can Napoli have, can needs have to two fifty words. <laughs> yeah, we finished. That for the yeah, way, thank you. Napoli needs to be where then. Indeed. One final thing, Christian. Something else is happening on Wednesday. It is. Uh, we've got the blood red Q and A. If you enjoy what we do, um, you know my condolences. <laughs> but <laughs> but it will be. It'll be a uh, James. Don't Pierce. become a salesperson. No, no, I won't. Uh, James Pierce will be in conversation a Q and A uh, with Neil Fitzmorris. Uh, he's obviously very well known across the city. Uh, we've also got uh, Dan Nicholson of uh, the Boss Night fame. You've obviously seen all the brilliant videos of Jamie Webster and Jurgen Klopp, no doubt, over in America. You know, Dan is one of the, the lads behind that venture uh, we've also got uh, Chris Pajak of the Redman TV you know he's a cracking lad really passionate red so you know come along there's only three tickets left free so three at I, the time of recording so the by the time, time recording, you listen to this so it may be sold out yeah. so you know turn off this podcast now and buy a ticket <laughs> is what I'm trying to say yeah. but don't blame us all, if they're gone all the details will be in today's live blog so if uh, you're looking to find out where to get them then go on that today yeah. but if you type in blood red Q&A in Google as well it's, it's all there or on our Twitter um, but yeah a chance for Neil Fitzmaurice Dan Nicholson Chris Pajak and James Pierce, who will be home he will be home at the Baltic in, Market in, he'll be home in a bar that's for sure well the Baltic Market Wednesday night he starts at six. Half six. Half six. As long as he doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's starting so early. <laughs> and on that informative note, cheerio. Join us later this week where we'll look ahead to the start of the Premier League season, Liverpool against West Ham. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.